sometimes you can tell what a person's glaring need just is by looking at the person. If you see a person who, is, who has a disheveled and smelly presence, they very likely just need a place to wash up, perhaps because they've had a very rough night or they are currently in between homes and haven't found a new home yet. If you see a person with red puffy eyes and tear-stained makeup, well, they need a hug and a listening ear because their heart has been broken in some way. Other times, it's not so obvious what a person's glaring need is. A person with a diseased mind is often cast off as just plain weird or ignored or made fun of instead of receiving the professional help that they so desperately need. A person with unspoken regrets needs to hear the liber liberating word of forgiveness. And yet how hard it is to receive what you need when you keep it all bottled up as a secret. How glaring would you say your need is for a savior? We certainly know that we need him because we have a problem, a problem with sin. When Adam and Eve, when they brought sin into the world back in the Garden of Eden, it has come down to every generation since, including to us. And we see how glaring that need is. Perhaps sometimes it's very obvious, like when death takes away a loved one, we see this should not be. Other times we don't realize how much of a need we have because we try to explain it away as just part of life, of part of human behavior, like feeling shame at one's own nakedness. Perhaps we make it even worse when we engage into sin, like when we desire to know both good and evil from firsthand experience. Regardless of how much you recognize your glaring need is for a Savior, doesn't change the fact that this problem with sin that we have, well, we're helpless. We can't fix it on our own. We need a Savior. And that's why we are so happy to hear the blessed news of Christmas, of a Savior born to us. As we begin our Christmas meditation, we hear the glaring problem of sin that we have, and we tune our ears not just to our need of a Savior, but to how wonderful the news is of Christmas of a Savior born for you and for me. A reading from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more clever than any wild animal which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God really said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but not from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat from it. You shall not touch it, or else you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die. In fact, God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was appealing to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. She also gave some also to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for their waists. The word of our Lord. You're known in your family 
as being the last person to give your Christmas gifts to everybody else. You've been razzed on for years, and this time you've decided you've had enough of it. In fact, you're going to flip the script, and you're going to be the first one this year to give all your gifts away. It's all year long. Keep an eye out for the perfect gifts for all your loved ones. And you've been good about buying them and storing them and remembering what you bought already. Come Thanksgiving, well, guess what? Your shopping is all done. So you go to the post office, you send them all off, and you just wait to hear what your family will say when they receive your gift well ahead of Christmas. It's a problem, though. See, the post office, they misplaced your gifts. They're going to arrive, but just a whole week after Christmas. And you know what's going to happen next. No one in your family will believe that it's the post office fault instead of your fault for your ever late gift. But more than that, though, you know how heartbroken your niece is going to be when the ticket she, you were giving her to that show while they're still in town, it's going to arrive too late. There's nothing you can do to fix that. How would you respond to the post office for misplacing your gifts? With sympathy, realizing how busy they are at this time of year? With disappointment and termination to just move on with life to what goes next? With anger, as you leave a nasty review and you demand a full refund from them? Many times, we do not respond with very gracious words when our plans go astray. But you know who does? It's our God. When Adam and Eve ruined his perfect creation, he didn't lay it into them or just hit restart. No, God gave a gracious promise. The first glimpse of our Savior, the seed of Eve who would crush Satan's head in every trace of sin, the gracious promise that was fulfilled on Christmas Eve. So let's return to the Garden of Eden to hear God's gracious promise of the Savior born to us as told about from so long ago. We're reading from Genesis chapter 3. They heard the voice of the Lord God who was walking around in the garden during the cooler part of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the livestock and more than any wild animal. You shall crawl on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. The word of our Lord. 
things were not looking too good for the nation of Israel during the time of the prophet Micah. Israel was in the crosshairs of much larger geopolitical enemies. The, her leaders were not leading by example, but instead were caring only about themselves and their crony friends. And for the average Israelite, there was only darkness coming on the horizon. So God steps in with a timely prophecy to lift the hearts and spirits of his people as a coach does during halftime with his encouraging pep talk. And what was God's timely prophecy? How the little town of Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Savior who would go on and rule over his people with peace. Now that may not sound all that inspiring to us, but for the Israelites of this time, it certainly was. For in the midst of their troubling circumstances, they knew that God had not abandoned them or left them to wallow in their own, in their own sorrow. He was going to come to them in the little town of Bethlehem as the Savior. And the current troubling circumstances, well, that would not continue for all time either. So that would be replaced when that Savior born in Bethlehem would bring the peace that he alone can bring. This timely prophecy that God gave to the prophet Micah was a ray of light for his people and also was a ray of light for us in our troubling circumstances. The fulfillment of Bethlehem as the Savior's birthplace shows to us that God will fill everything he says and he will never abandon us or leave us hanging even in the midst of our troubling circumstances. And the Savior since being born is now and will give the peace that only he can give. The peace in our hearts through the forgiveness of sins. And the peace found above when we finally reach our home in heaven. This is the peace that is ours and that will be ours, as sure as it going to be, even in the midst of our troubling circumstances. As such, let us read this timely prophecy as that ray of light in the midst of our circumstances, just as it was for the time when it was first spoken. For it tells us what is and what will be ours from the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. A reading from Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out the one who will be the ruler for me in Israel. His going forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when the woman who is in labor bears a child. Then the remaining survivors from his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd with the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell securely, for at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be their peace. The word of our Lord. So many of the things that we celebrate at Christmas time requires us to play a little bit of make-believe. Mythical figures and fantastical places, divided loved ones to be merry together at last, and even our evergreen swarrows speckled with ever-white snow. We're happy to play such make-believe because it's what you do at Christmas time. It's what makes the season so special. It's what makes the magic ha 
makes the magic happen. But you know what is one thing that you don't need to play make-believe about? It's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In many ways, what happened in Jesus' birth, it sounds like yet another one of our Christmas stories. A newly, uh, an, an engaged couple needing to travel 90 miles as the crow flies because a king far away decreed them to do so. An overbooked inn with only a stable left with vacancy. A virgin giving birth to her firstborn, a son. Though the details may sound like another Christmas story, it's anything but that. Rather, it's a historical reality. The birth of Jesus happened with real people in an actual place. The miraculous happening alongside the everyday and the mundane. Luke chapter 2 records not a fictitious tale, but a historical reality. And as such, we read these verses in that way. With belief that what is recorded here is what actually happened by the people who were there. With confidence that our Lord will fulfill everything he says, even if it seems like another Christmas story with Thanksgiving, as we're told in clear terms what happened on that first Christmas Eve of a Savior who was born for you and for me. A reading from Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governing Syria, and everyone went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the town of Nazareth, into Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his wife, who was pledged to him in marriage and was expecting a child. And so it was that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there is no room for them in the inn. This is the word of our Lord. Your phone rings, and it's a number that you do not recognize. However, it has a 520 area code, so you decide to answer it. You say hello, and the person on the other line says, Good morning. You've been selected to win $100. Just tell us the name of your favorite radio station, and if it's us, you're $100 richer. Do you believe the extraordinary news you just heard? You come from a large family, and all of your siblings live across the whole map. You invite them to celebrate Christmas with you every year, not expecting them to come, but you want them to feel included. This year, as you check the RSVPs, you see that your favorite sibling marked, yes, attending. Do you believe the extraordinary news? The shepherds asked themselves the same question when they heard the angels' extraordinary announcement of what was happening there on Christmas Eve. Their long-for Savior was there in Bethlehem within walking distance? Christ the Lord was a newborn infant wrapped in swallowing claws and lying in the animal's feed box? Peace from God himself was upon sinful humans like us? Well, that's just simply extraordinary. And so it's extraordinary today, 
too. You see, Jesus, he may not be in Bethlehem anymore, but we can find him just as easily a page away or a tap away in the word of our God. Christ the Lord took on human flesh so he could be just like us in every way except without sin. Peace and goodwill continue to be upon all of us sinful humans, even us, because of what Jesus did as our Savior. It's, a, it's extraordinary, but it's also true. As such, let's listen to the angel's extraordinary announcement and the marvel with those shepherds of the incredible news of what happened on Christmas of a Savior born to us. A reading from Luke chapter 2. There were in the same country shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward mankind. This is the word of our Lord. Sometimes you just can't help but to show the joy that you have within yourself. Newlyweds often show this joy as they enjoy all of life's annual events with an extra measure of joy because they get to do it in a whole brand new way as a newly married couple. When the medical test comes back negative, you can't help but show your joy as those concerns and fears melt away and you tell everybody what is not the case. When you find that perfect gift, that person who's so hard to shop for, you can't help but smile when you see it, and you can't wait to see them open it, to see the face, see, see what their face will be, what you gave to them specifically. The shepherds had such an overwhelming joy when they saw who was lying there in Bethlehem's manger. They were filled with such joy, not because they saw a cute, cuddly baby, although that is a good reason right there, but specifically because of who this baby was. It was their Savior, born just for them. And when they went back to watch over their sheep out in those fields nearby, well, they told everybody along the way what they heard the angels say, who they saw in Bethlehem's manger, what it meant for them as God's forgiven children. You and I can have the same joyful reaction. Because when we look into Bethlehem's manger, do you know who we see? The same Savior who was born for you and for me. The Savior who was born so that he could live, die, and rise for us. The Savior who makes us right with God himself, giving us that peace our Savior, who takes our sins away and opens to us the door to eternal life in heaven. This is who we see when we look in Bethlehem's manger. And as you leave here this evening, don't be surprised if you have a joyful smile on your face. 
It's because you've heard and seen the same thing those shepherds did from so long ago. Of a Savior who was born for you, who brings you immense joy. A reading from Luke chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they told others the message they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorify and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of our Lord. How long is it that Christmas will remain in your home? Will it last until the tree and the decorations are taken down for another year and the carols are finally quiet on the radio? Will it come to a screeching halt when everyone goes back home and life resumes its normal? Or will Christmas live on long after most people have gone to the next season? One way or another, eventually Christmas will leave our homes. But you know what never ends? The glorious result that comes from the birth of our Savior in Bethlehem. We hear about this glorious result and what it consists in in our verses from Titus chapter 2. As God's grace appearing, bringing salvation to all people. God's chosen people purified from sin and redeemed from its captivity. God's children trained to reject sinful habits instead to model godly lives as they wait for their Savior to come again. For those who celebrate Christmas for the reason found in Bethlehem's manger, this is the result that will live long on, long after those Christmas decorations are put away. And I pray that this includes you, too. Because you see, Christmas is just the beginning of what your Savior has done for you. After Jesus grew up, he has done so much more as your Savior. He wants you to better know and believe in. And invite you to do just that. Come back tomorrow morning as we see how our Savior was born to dwell among us tomorrow at 10 a.m. If you already have a church home, then continue worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you encourage one another to keep focus on Christ and all that your Savior has done for you. If you don't have a church home, then accept our invitation to do so here at Grace, our sister churches across the whole country. Because to see, eventually, Christmas will leave our homes. But the glorious result of the one born in Bethlehem, well, that will never end. And as we see where that glorious result comes from, it comes to one place. To what happened here on Christmas, in Bethlehem, of a Savior born for you and for me. A reading from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope that is the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people, eager to do good works. This is the word of our Lord.